Psalm 27, and we were singing about the Lord being your shepherd. You know, all of that song hinges on the first line. And when you, when you say the word Lord, what you are saying is that He is your supreme ruler. When you say Lord, you are acknowledging that He is over you and you are under Him. And it is your, your, um, you submitting yourself to Him when you say Lord of Him. And so Psalm 27 in the NIV, let's read this together. Now when you read this, I want you to read it from your heart with conviction. Not as though we're just reading something um, on paper, but rather that you're reading something that is real and alive in you and makes all the difference for you. Alright? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of His sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At His sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. Are you confident that you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? Not some future far away day, but in this corona era. In this time of riots and unrest and all kinds of problems all around us. But you, you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Sheltered under His wing, in His tent, in His abode. I mean, we have so many protection promises in the Word. And now is not the time to become lax or, or slow in them. But let's grab them with even greater fervor than we've had before. And believe them with a whole heart. And say, you know, it is so for me. Hallelujah. Be strong. Be strong, not be weak. Be strong in the Lord and wait on Him. 
The Lord directed me that we should read that together. Three weeks ago, I woke up Sunday morning at about 5 a.m. with that, that verse about, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Just That was my first thing that was coming out of me as I was waking up. And so I thought, oh, we're supposed to read that this morning. And the Lord said, no, not yet. And so then last week, I thought, we're supposed to read Psalm 27 this morning. And the Lord said, no, not yet. And yesterday, the Lord said, tomorrow. So we read it today. Because somebody here needed Psalm 27 more than they needed it the last two weeks. And if you will wait on the Lord, you will be strong, you will be courageous, and you will see the goodness of, not the badness of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hallelujah. For all of uh, you that have recently joined us and been coming in, um, you may not know our history, you may not know uh, how and where we began, but in 2006, Apostle Dale Armstrong, the Lord gave him a word to uh, begin to plant this church, Church of the Word International here in Lancaster County. And um, so Dale, if you would come join me, please. So Apostle Dale, he is the one that on the word of the Lord founded the church here. And uh, he has been, uh, he's been stuck in Ukraine for several months. And so it's good to have him home. Good to be home. Good to have him here in health. And so just I, I, what I want you to do this morning is turn your faith on wide open to receive from the Lord, a word from the Lord, and um, believe that God will teach you everything that he has for you this morning. All right, let's Amen. pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us, for bringing Apostle Dale to us. Lord, we look to you as our teacher. We open up our heart, our ears, and I ask you, Lord, to increase our understanding this morning. And give, give Apostle everything that you would have him to minister this morning in the mighty name of Jesus and amen. Open your Bibles with me. to. Uh, we have three texts I'd like to read and then jump right into the Word of God. So good to be home. So good to see everyone. I think Terry kept track. It was 96 days. Uh, I went on a five-day trip to preach in Riga, Latvia at a church there. Uh, actually only three days in the church, but it'd be a five-day trip, and uh, got caught moving through Kiev, and they closed the borders, and uh, ended up being 96 days. So it's quite interesting to pack for five and stay for 96, uh, believe me, and especially when you can't even buy underwear. I mean, everything was closed. Hallelujah. So uh, the Lord used it. I feel that I was sequestered by the Lord to uh, experience a tremendous time of prayer and intercession at a moment of crisis in the world. And uh, I, I did learn a lot. I learned more than I realized, and I remembered a lot. Uh, it's interesting. God wants us to stir us up and put us in remembrance of things that we've known, but somehow they, they just got neglected. You probably have things in your attic you forgot you had. You know, forget about having Christmas. Just, just wrap up everything in your attic and open it up again. And, and you might be just full of joy, right? Uh, <laughs> so I, I want to look at three, three texts and then discuss some things about how God reveals things. Our first text is here in Psalms uh, 
27, verse 13, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. It's a King James. Uh, notice the phrase, I had believed to see. He didn't say he saw it. You had to believe to see it. All right? Just, just keep that phrase. Turn with me then to Psalms 119, verse 18. Psalms 119, verse 18. You believe to see the goodness of the Lord. Some people don't believe to see the goodness of the Lord. They believe to see the worst. They believe to see the negative. They believe to see fear. They believe to see uh, the end. And sometimes you have enough evidence around you to, to justify that. Amen? I mean, people were saying, what is this pandemic? You know, what kind of plague is this? Oh, you know, it's nothing, some people say. And, and, and then you begin to, you want to look. You want to look in the natural. Find out, you know, what is happening. But God never really instructs us to look in the natural. Psalms 119 verse 18 says, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. It's a wonderful prayer, isn't it? Open thou mine eyes. It, and it's a simple prayer, but again, sometimes we forget these things. Unless God allows us, we're not going to see. So being, being a, a deeper believer, a deeper, stronger Christian, isn't a product of education. It's a product of revelation. I'm not, I'm not against education because the more you, you learn and study and seek, and the Bible's full of that, isn't it? It develops a greater capacity, but we also have the capacity to become blinded even by what we know. That, the Bible says even that the things that we know can puff us up in pride. See, we have to pray specifically to be able to see. And then finally, go with me to John 3. We're going to look at several other scriptures this morning, but these are our texts. John 3, let's look here in, let's begin in verse 2. Uh, Nicodemus, the same came to Jesus by night. <clears throat> Always remember, you can, go to, you can go to God anytime. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. How did he know? For no man can do these miracles that you do, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, whereas Nicodemus said, I know who you are because of what I've seen, miracles. Jesus said, you can't even see the kingdom of God until you're born again. See, the new birth is a gateway into an understanding and a revelation uh, that the world doesn't, doesn't uh, share. It's very important to remember this. And, uh, and by the way, let's define a few terms. When I say revelation, I remember, oh, I don't know, probably 30 years ago, I was teaching in a, a, a ministry in Washington, D.C., and the room was full of highly educated people and Back at that, that day, I was still a redneck from northwestern Pennsylvania. 
And uh, I couldn't believe I'd gotten into that mess. I don't know how I even got into that room. The leading scientist on the Star Wars project working with President Reagan was in the room. And I can go on and on. I mean, their, their clothes were worth, worth more than my, my entire life. I, I mean, I was so intimidated. And uh, I, I don't, I was I've always been blessed with a stone face that you don't know when I'm intimidated. But I was scared out of my mind. I was look, literally looking for an exit. I went out on the, on the balcony hoping there was a fire escape. I, I, I'm supposed to teach these people? And there was one gentleman there by the name of Art Lindsley. He's the director at the time of the C.S. Lewis Institute. Highly educated man. And uh, to make a long story short, uh, the Holy Ghost broke through and these there was a woman there with a steel rod in her back and the, the, the steel rod disappeared. She was healed and all of them knew her and they all, they all got so, so excited about God. My, my 45 minute sermon that I was allowed, allotted, uh, went, went several hours. I don't think we left till two or three in the morning and they were all speaking in tongues and the whole lot of them. Yeah, even the Star Wars project leader and, and uh, there was a fellow there that... Uh, grabbed me after the, everything was over and we went into this huge walk-in closet and closed the door and he says, can you pray for me in private? And I said, why private? And he, he says, well, I'm a homosexual. And uh, so we cast the devil out of him and he was set free. Later we got invited to his wedding. Later we got cards when announcing the birth of all of their children. And I always laugh about it because he was really a closet homosexual. And he got set free. And uh, then I, I ended up with a correspondence with Art Lindsley. He invited me to a college there in D.C. And I spoke in the university. And, and I remember we had one conversation. <clears throat> and he asked me a question. And because and he, and he, 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 the light came on. And he said, I see you use the word revelation different. That's not what it means. And then he tutored me. That, that revelation, when you, when, when you say revelation, that means when God makes known something, like the Gospel of John is a revelation. But see, you and I, in the charismatic circles, when we see something, when we're reading the Bible, we say, oh, I had a revelation. Well, to the, the theological people, no, you didn't. You had an illumination when the Holy Ghost illuminates the Scripture. And he's explaining all this because I am a redneck from northwestern Pennsylvania, and I had a revelation, and he, he thinks... He thinks I'm writing a new book in the Bible because I use a word that to him means one thing. And I said, well, I said, I understand the terminology and I appreciate you correcting me, but maybe you need to catch up because young people this day, one generation says things are cool and the next generation says they're hot. Words change. Right? Maybe you ought to catch up and you'd learn something from the charismatics. So I don't know if he ever has caught it. Well, he got filled with the Holy Ghost. I spoke in tongues, so I guess he did. So I just wanted to put that footnote in there because some people get uh, uh, confused because you read one book, it says Revelation, Illumination. When I say Revelation, I mean whatever the Holy Ghost shows me. Amen? Amen. And he reveals or illuminates from the Scriptures. Uh, he, he, you have to pray, Open thou mine eyes that I may see. You're not going to see it just because you're smarter than me. I'm not going to see it just because I went to a school you didn't go to. You see these things when God reveals these things. And God reveals these things as a matter of heart.
First, the doorway into revelation or the doorway into illumination, the doorway into seeing something new is the new birth. And I think we, those of us who've made Jesus the Lord of our lives and have received redemption from, from the, the gracious Father, we, we realize we see things differently now, right? But I think sometimes we forget that other people can't see what we see. I had uh, uh, a conversation uh, when they began to relax some of the things you, in Kiev. You could go out and sit on a, a, a chair outside the restaurant on the sidewalks, you know, the little terraces or whatever. You couldn't go in. I guess it's that way here still. <clears throat> and uh, there was a journalist, or there is a journalist, and he, he, uh, he said, hey, I'd love to, to talk to you. And he always likes to talk and get information and write articles and so I sat with him. He is, by ethnicity, he's a Jew. He's a Hebrew. So I know we're not eating the pork sandwich. That kind of stuff. And, uh, but I'm sitting there talking to him about some different things. And, and, and halfway through that conversation, I'm like, this guy is intelligent. He is not that stupid. Now, I've met him for on and off and on for four or five years. And I believe real strongly in relationship evangelism. You know, he knows who I am, and, and, I, and he knows that I represent Jesus, and I've shared the love of God with him, you know. Uh, but I don't stick a Bible down his throat. You, you know what I mean? I, I know I need, to, I need to win more respect, and, and he needs to understand and, and, and open up his heart, and I'm praying for that moment. But when I'm engaging him, I'm thinking, he, he, this is an intelligent guy, and I, and I like him. I like how his mind works. I like his writing. He's a good writer. But man, on this issue, you're just as dumb as a stump. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I realize, wow. Everything, every component of the U.S. government that's based on a revelation of God that our founding fathers had, he can't see it. And I had a revelation sitting there. Why these Democrats are so stupid? I mean, you know what Jesus said about them. He said, woe to you, Republicans and sinners. <clears throat> sorry. sorry. <laughs> I like that one. But I, I'm sitting there realizing there are areas of, of life beyond the spirituality that's in a church service that are there because other believers have stood up and built them, including our government that was founded upon the inalienable rights that have been given to every man by God as revealed from Holy Scripture. And when men like John Adams and, and others saw that and grasped that, and put that into a system. It was, it was at the apex of several revivals. That created a Christian culture. And people understood these issues. And today we, we live in a day. They, it's not that they don't understand it. They can't see it. They're blind to see what you and I take for granted. <clears throat> Jump over with me to 2 Corinthians 4. 
I, to me, it was just astonishing to realize I can't sit here and argue this man into a Republican viewpoint any more than I could argue him into the kingdom of God. There has to be a revelation. There has to be a work of the heart. 2 Corinthians 4, let's look at verse 3. <clears throat> you see, if our gospel is hid, it is hidden to them that are lost. You meditate long enough on just that one verse, it'll make an evangelist out of you. That's why we need to proclaim truth, because it's hidden to those who are lost. They can't see it. In whom the God of this world, <clears throat> now we don't have time, but he's referring to Satan here. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Well, let's just unpack this a little bit and, and break it down. Satan's role is to blind people from seeing the gospel. The gospel is referred to as this glorious, this glorious gospel is referred to as light. Blindness, obviously, is related to darkness. Light and darkness are common themes throughout the entire Bible. Light and darkness, blind or seeing. And I think we, we, are, we all understand then that it is also talking about light, seeing, understanding, comprehension, right? We, we see the kingdom of God once we're born again. That means you don't see the kingdom of God before you're born again. That means you have to believe to see. I believed to see the goodness of God. All revelation, all illumination, first is an act of the will of man in receiving the word of God and in exercising his faith. Jesus said in John 7, 17, if any man will know his will, <clears throat> excuse me, if any man will, now let's go there, I'll mess it up. John 7, 17. If any man will do his will, that's it. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. Whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. So is a doctrine from God or is it, or is it or just come from somebody saying it? How do you know a doctrine is true? Jesus qualified it by saying it's a, it's a, it's a point of will. If any man will do his will. In other words, when you consecrate your life to serve the Lord and you put your life before him and you say, I'm going to do the will of God after that, then you'll know what it is that you're supposed to do. See, a lot of people think, well, Lord, what is your will? Is it A or is it B? And then they're going to choose as a point of preference. See, that's not committed to the will of God. That's committed to your own self-interest. I mean, if, if you, okay, Lord, what is, what is thy will, O God? Is it to be a missionary to Hawaii or to the Sahara Desert? And, 
I'm going to consecrate my life to Hawaii in the name of Jesus real fast. See the difference? That's just self-will. And that's what we seek. We say, Lord, show me your will. No, no. God says, show me you got the goods. Show me your consecration. Show me your dedication to my will. Then there's revelation that comes. We believe to see. We consecrate and God brings this revelation. We pray, open thou mine eyes that I may see. This blindness comes as a matter of heart. But when a man's heart is pricked, as Paul prayed over Lydia, the seller of purple, Lord, open her heart that she might see. When God deals with the heart of man, then revelation begins to flow. And, and still, this blindness, we, we need to realize how extensive it is. Look back in chapter 3, and maybe a little bit of a side uh, 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 journey. But it still continues, and Paul talked about this plague of blindness. He said in verse 12, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians three twelve, Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And uh, he's talking about how he ministered. And he said, and we're not like Moses, which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded. For until this day <clears throat> remains the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Not over their eyes. It's a heart issue. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. So, so what Paul is commenting on is even with a culture of all of, of, of the Hebrew nation being raised on the holy word of God. And the traditions and the customs and the ceremonies. All of this that was in their culture. Jesus said they're still blind. He said it's sort of like, it's sort of like this glory that was in Jesus' face. But he had to put a veil over his face so that people wouldn't see it. And, and all of this culture of the Hebrews being raised up over millennia. They're still blind. Because they read the Old Testament and they don't get it. Because they don't understand Jesus. But the veil that's over their heart, not their eyes, is taken off when you add Jesus into the mix. You see, when, without being born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. And that's why it's always been a pet peeve of mine. But, you know, the, the devil brings about these kinds of things about every 20 years. And I'm sure... It's already gone around once, but this merry-go-round will come around again. Just be ready for it. Where everybody wants to go running to some Jewish rabbi to learn the Old Testament. I was in a meeting of ministers, about 800 pastors, and they brought this Jewish rabbi up on front to teach us the Old Covenant. And I thought, dear Lord, I don't read Braille. And I got up and left. Made a stink. But, but the point is, that... Jewish rabbi without Jesus is blind and, and, and one of our little kids in children's church 
who's gotten born again and filled with the Holy Ghost understands the, the Old Testament with, with, with only having a picture book. I had one when I was a little boy. Did you ever have anybody in here have a little picture Bible? I had a little picture Bible. He has more understanding of the Old Testament than that Jewish rabbi because he's got a veil over his heart. Somebody said, well, yeah, but he knows all the things we don't know. Well, if he knew them, he'd make Jesus the Lord of his life. He'd come on in. It's obviously that he doesn't know it. Right? It's a, it's a matter of heart. Jesus said, uh, look over here in John again. Jesus said in, uh, let's look at 16. When he was with the disciples. So the new birth is the entrance into a, a realm of understanding, of revelation, of light. Jesus was dealing with the disciples and he was with them for three years. But look here in verse 12. He said, I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. And this is where I, the, the sermon, I, I want it to fall heavy on your heart. I mean, heavy into your heart. I mean, impact you, <laughs> not give you a heavy heart. I mean, I want to hit you. I want to hit you between the eyes with a sledgehammer. Let's say it that way. <laughs> Are there things that God can't show you because you're not ready? See, only we can evaluate ourselves on this. Jesus looked at these guys. He'd spent three years personally tutoring them. So that's, pretty, that's pretty intense, right? It's, prob it's probably equal to a, a, a diploma from Liberty. You know, there's an investment of time here. But, but he still said, there's things I want to I show you, but I can't. Can you imagine God saying that to you? I mean, I'd, I'd just, that'd make me want to kick a can down the street, that's for sure. Throw a chair out the window or something. What do you mean there's things you want to show me, but you can't? Which obviously means I'm not in the position to hear them, or you can't bear them now. You see, you've got to realize that uh, growing up in Jesus, you're going to see greater and greater Glory to glory, moment by moment. You're going to get more. You're going to see more. And others will change too. Remember when I was a teenager, I was still, I think, in high school. I got filled with the Holy Ghost and I was just obsessed with the Word of God and reading the Word. I was teaching once a week in a Bible study and I'd, I'd study three or four hours every day just, just to be able to have something to say for one hour in that Bible study. <laughs> and... Uh, my mother bought me a, a, a book by Watchman Nee. I think it was for Christmas or my birthday. I don't know. It was a real thick book, Spiritual Man. I mean, it's like four inches thick, you know. And uh, I was so excited. I got me a thick book to read. And I start reading this book. I get into it about three or four pages, and I think, man, this guy's an idiot. I ain't reading this garbage. This guy doesn't know a thing. So I put that book over on the shelf. And about a year went by. And I grabbed that book down and thought, well, I just, you know, I guess I didn't have anything else to read. I pulled that book down again. I started reading it. And I thought, hmm, 
I guess he's learning a few things. I, I read two or three inches into that book. I thought, yeah, well, you know, he ain't, he ain't the best, but he's, he's growing up. And I put that book back. I don't know, three or four years later, I pulled that thing down and I started reading that thing. And I thought, you know, Watchman, you finally got it. I read that thing from front to cover and I thought, man, he, he improved a whole lot. He sees things in a whole new way, you know. Isn't that the way life is? Now, I'll put a disclaimer on there. There's been a few books. I've said, I ain't reading that. And I put it back. I picked it back up six months later. And I'm thinking, he's dumber than he was before. <laughs> but we do. We, we, we grow. And we come into a position that what we couldn't see last year, well, now we can see it. It's sort of like, we all laugh about it. I was laughing about it the other day. We had to family at the house and I'm so glad all my boys have kids now because they they see things different you know what I'm talking about you know when when they were 16 17 I was stupid and didn't understand life and all this stuff but then once they have a baby boy oh you know your parents just change <laughs> right amen I remember Years and years ago when Ben took some of my tools and went out in the yard and didn't come back with them, I called my dad. I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> I remember. Man, I remember that hacksaw made a perfect submachine gun. I'm running through the woods. You know, it's probably hanging on a branch still to this day somewhere. But you grow up and you begin to see things differently. And I want a passion in you that you need to see more. That there are some things we haven't seen yet. Some we've forgotten. Paul talked about it. Slip over with me to 2 Corinthians 4. What time do I have till 1030? Second Corinthians 4, we're doing good on time. Then. First Corinthians, I'm sorry. No, it's Second Corinthians. Sure it is. They're both good, but... Yeah, there it is. No, it's First Corinthians. We already read that one. Man, it's like the Catholic Church. Get up, sit down. Get up, sit down. First Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians chapter three. I got it. It's on the inside column on the left page. That's why I hate reading on you know, on my phone. I've been reading on my phone all the time, but you can't find things. I know it's right there on the left side. First Corinthians chapter three, verse one, and I, brethren. Could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto, now notice this, you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. 
he used to bother me. I, I had the privilege um, of hearing Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, preach quite a bit. Not enough. And uh, I always enjoyed it. But more often than not, you'd hear him preach the same thing. Remember Terry and I, we were up in Toronto. We went to a faith seminar where we're going to hear Brother Hagin for a week. Well, and we had, my cousin was Brother Hagin's secretary. So we got special seats. We were sitting literally right behind Brother Hagin's wife. So we're in the second row and he gets up to preach and his wife Aretha is sitting right in front of us and he gets up and opens his Bible and says, turn in your Bible with me to Mark chapter 11, verse 22. And Aretha opens her purse, pulls out a fingernail file, and just starts going like this. <laughs> and, and, and I start laughing because the, it just hit me. This, this poor lady, she's heard that sermon more than I have. <laughs> if, if I think I've heard that faith sermon more than once, she's, Lord, how many times has she heard that? I remember one of the boys, it was probably Zach, he was complaining, saying, you know, you've preached that before. And I'm thinking, you know, I've, I've heard every sermon I've ever preached. <laughs> if you're bored hearing the same message twice, <laughs> I've heard it every time. Somebody said, well, why, why over and over and over? Because they still haven't got it, and you can't go further until they do. One time we were in uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. July 4th weekend, 1987. Did you know that? I don't know why I remember that. But uh, we were, we were uh, at a conference with Norval Hayes, and Brother Hagen was one of the speakers. And in one of the evening meetings, Brother Hagen was preaching. Same simple message. I'd heard him preach 20. I, I don't mean to boast but probably I mean the room's full of preachers probably half of the people in that room could stand up and preach the same message you know and I'm sitting there crying out I had I had problems I had needs I was dying on the inside I need a miracle I need a revelation I need a heavy revy (laughs) (laughs) and in my heart I'm crying out to God and Brother Hagin stopped, and he walked out the edge of the platform, and he pointed over in my general direction, and he says, there's somebody over here crying out to God that you need more than what I'm preaching tonight. He says, so in the name of the Lord, you just shut up. If you just do what you know to do, you'd be a whiz. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like he just reached out there and hit me on the head with his Bible. I'm just sitting there. I mean, I, it could have applied to 100 people, but you know how it's like. That, I'm sure that was me. And I'm sitting there, if you just do what you know to do. And then I realized, I'm not. I'm not doing what I know to do. I'm not rejoicing in the face of famine and sorrow. I'm not rejoicing in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. I'm not leaping for joy. I remember when I leaped for joy, leapt for joy. I was... In the middle of making radio tapes in a radio room in Meadville. And there was a pastor. Yeah, he was a pastor. He was mad at me. He was so mad at me. He came to where I was making radio tapes and started thumping on the door, swearing at me. Did you know pastors can swear? 
And I mean, we're in a church building. Hauls me out of this booth and we, we, he's yelling at me. I'm, I mean, and I rose up in the love of God and a thought went through my mind, I can take him. <laughs> Still believe I could have. Anyhow, don't know if I could today. But he, he just dumps all this poison on me and finally get him out of there. And I got to make radio tapes that are anointed of God and send them off to the radio station so I can bless people. And it's just not easy to do that when you're just dripping with this poison. Oh, it was horrible. So I'm pacing back and forth. And the more I pace saying, I cast my care on the Lord, the matter I got. You know what I'm talking about? I just couldn't shake it off. I ain't got no joy and I can't do these radio tapes. And for the first time... I'm not going to be able to have radio tapes delivered on time. And there's going to be dead air. And I'm saying, there, Lord, what do I do? And the verse fl- flies up into my spirit. And I hope you heard the pastor. Because when you wake up and there's a verse, don't pay it. Don't, 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 don't ignore it. You, you better pay it attention. See, God's ministering to your spirit. That verse came up for a reason. Give it respect. And here I am in the midst of this poison, and a verse floats up, leap for joy. It's from Matthew, when they persecute you and say all kinds of things bad about you. See, I went out and I went and I read it and realized it applied to what that fellow just did. He said all these terrible things about me and persecuted me. What's it say? Leap for joy. Doesn't say brood. Doesn't say write a nasty letter and justify thyself. Right? See, if you'll do what you know to do, you'd be a whiz. So I started leaping for joy. Like a pogo stick. I'm not kidding you. I just thought, well, he said leap for joy. I just started jumping up and down like a pogo stick saying hallelujah and just jumping around. And it was a, <laughs> it was a storefront church with big glass windows and people on the sidewalk. And I'm in there jumping up and down, shaking my hands above my head, praising the Lord, looking like a total idiot. And eventually you realize you are. And so you just get over yourself. And I started laughing. And I realized how insignificant that entire argument was and who really cares. And I, got just, I just had a good time with Jesus. Went back in that radio room, made the radio tapes and sent them out and blessed people. Just do what you know to do. But sometimes we don't. We, we withdraw and we're not able to bear or to hear what God wants to speak to us. And friends, that's what is, is the burden in my heart. is to realize sometimes God's just got to box you up even for three months to say one thing. Because you're not ready to hear it. You're not in a position to hear it. You could be. You could, you could be, but you're not. So you've got you to take the time to pull the weeds out, cultivate the garden a little bit better, and have a listening ear. Amen. See, without salvation, you're not going to see anything. And the Bible says it's, 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 it's equivalent to Philip in the desert when he was translated. And there he, he was there, and then he wasn't. Boom, he's gone. He's somewhere else. Prayed for that for three months, didn't happen. 
But uh, he says in Colossians 1, what is it? I think verse 7, that when you're born again, you're translated, same word, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. See, you receive Jesus as the Lord of your life and boom, you're no longer in Satan's kingdom. You're now seeing things differently. And we all live, we all experience that. But my friends, from what Jesus said, I've got more, but I can't give it to you. You, you, you couldn't bear it. Or as Paul said, I, 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 I want to give this to you, but I, I want to feed you meat, but I've got to give you milk. How disappointing that must have been. I'm sure I'd, if I'm going to hear Paul speak, I want the meat. Right? I don't want the milk. I want, I want the meat. If I'm going to hear Brother Hagin, I want the meat. I don't want the milk. But if you're not in a position to receive it, you get the milk. So you've got, we've got as a body to understand and as individuals to understand that part of me growing in God, part of you growing in God is to get to a place to see more. What do you believe to see? The goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Someone says, well, I'm just going to stop looking at all these things in the natural. Well, that'll help. But it won't help if you don't start looking at these things in the Spirit. So you've got to treasure what God is showing you and revealing to you in the Word and by the Spirit. Turn with me to Ephesians 1. In Psalms 119, he said, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. It's not going to come by education. You can study the Bible. You can memorize the Bible. I mean, I think I could probably keep you here all day with example after example where I've had scriptures that I've known and had them memorized for 20-some years. And then all of a sudden, one morning, I wake up and go over it again, and it's like a thunderclap. <laughs> where did that come from? And how did I not see that? Lord Almighty. And I don't mean twisting the scriptures. I mean, it was there, and I wasn't seeing it. Yeah, I remember the morning I realized that you don't deny the flesh and then one day you're spiritual enough to walk in the Spirit. And it's right there in black and white. It says walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I'd been living with spiritual dyslexia trying to put my flesh under so I could walk in the Spirit. When he says walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Some of you ain't got it yet, but you will. And it comes as a revelation when you see. Well, here in Ephesians 1, let's look in verse 16. Paul said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, I want to encourage you, as Brother Hagin encouraged me on this verse. He said, you know, if Paul could pray this prayer for those around him, well, then you could pray this prayer for those around you. You could start by praying it for yourself, but Paul prayed it for others. Paul prayed it for others. And he prayed very specifically. So you, you could just go ahead and massage this prayer with names and apply it to those whom you love. Apply, apply it to those whom you are around. Remember years ago, a guy named Gene Olin 
and I were at a charismatic conference in Pittsburgh at Duquesne University, and we roomed together, and uh, they, they had the dormitories open. And uh, he and I roomed together, which meant I didn't get much sleep because he never did. And uh, <laughs> you guys are, you understand, right? Yeah. And uh, I remember one night sitting on the edge of his bed. He said, let me pray for you. And he put his hands on my head. And he always, he always had this, I don't know. Gene, I just, I lay hands on people. Gene doesn't do that. Gene does this. <laughs> He does this dance. I, I don't know. I, I still remember the feeling like, you know, little electrodes or something. He, just hold your hand. I'd always want to just, would you just leave it alone, you know? And he's, he's praying like this, you know, like he's playing piano on my forehead or something. <laughs> oh, bless him. I love him. And he, and he starts praying, and I recognize he's not looking at the Bible. It's coming out of his spirit. He's just praying Ephesians 1 over me, verbatim, just coming out of his spirit. But, oh, man, it was powerful. And I just believe the heavens were open in my, my understanding, my revelation. Pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling. Now let me tell you, this only comes one way, and that's by praying. There are some things you can't get by studying. There's some things you'll never get from a sermon. It only comes by praying. That God would give you a spirit of wisdom. That God would give you revelation in the knowledge of Him. That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, brightened, opened. And especially this, that you would know the hope of your calling. If you... If you, we could just stop here and camp out for a little bit, but if you want to know what you're called to do, you're going to have to pray. You've got to pray and ask God for that spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him to unfold so that you know how you fit into that picture. You see, if we're so focused on ourselves and our part and the part we play... As I said in the very beginning, it really can smack of nothing more than self-interest and selfishness. But when we recognize it's the Lord of glory that we serve, then we're, we're, we come before the Father. We want this spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him to flow. It, it, just, it just trickles right on into our part. What's the hope of our calling? And I learned years and years ago when I'd lost some hope, the Lord dealt with me because I was asking the Lord about it. I feel like I've just lost hope. And the Lord said, no, you, you, you've gotten off your calling. You see, when you know you're in your calling, hope's a byproduct. It's the hope of your calling. When your life is aimless and without purpose, when you don't feel that you're fulfilling what God created you to be, 
you lose hope. But when you, when you sense in your inner man that this is who I am, this is why God put me here, this, this is what I am to be doing, that, then, then hope is the byproduct. Hope rises up strong on the inside. We've got to pray and, and we've got to ask God that we would see more. I don't want to be left in a position where God wanted to say something to me, but he couldn't. Turn with me to Hebrews. Chapter 5. You getting anything out of this this morning? Be, do be encouraged. God will always speak to you where you're at. See, even when Jesus said that and Paul said that about I wanted to, I wanted to say things, but you couldn't bear them. Jesus went right on into a teaching on the relationship they would have with the Holy Spirit. Right? And, 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 and that relationship with the Holy Spirit led them right on in. To, to greater revelation. And Paul, when he said, you know, I wanted to feed you with milk, but I had to feed you with, or with milk, meat, but I, wanted, but I had to feed you with milk. Well, what did he do? He fed him with milk. Why? To grow him up. It's not that you're not going to be able to hear, but God's going to speak to you where you are. Amen? And I'm going to trust that we're going to grow up to a place where we need to be. He said in Hebrews 5, verse 11, about Jesus, our high priest, he said, of whom we have many things to say, which are hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. It's not real complimentary, is it? Right? You know, I got a lot to tell you, but you, you just, you're just brain dead. You know, you're just thick. <laughs> You're dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to those who are of maturity, full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now I want to, I don't want to uh, flatter you, but I, I want to compliment you. Because you're not like a lot of churches. Uh, and, I, and I hope you understand, uh, I hope you believe that I see that and that others see that. When there's a crisis and a pandemic and the tithes go up. Is that right? Uh, this message might do more benefit to some other churches, I don't know. But it's important to stir us up to realize that when the world is in crisis, some things remain the same. Some things never change. 
And, and in some situations, we need to be determined to rise up stronger and see more of what's required in our hour. And it may not affect some riot in Minnesota or California, but it can certainly affect our community and our neighborhood and the guy across the street. Because we are not babes. We need to, we need to go further and rise up and have a, a more solid foundation. I've seen situations where I was greatly disappointed in, in believers in years ago. Some of you might remember the Y2K debacle, the Y2K hoax. I was in Moscow that December. I'll never forget it. It was one of the coldest winters on record. They, I remember they found, this is the day I left Moscow, they had found all these homeless people frozen on the street. And I came back to a church. No, I came back to a nation in panic where everybody was out buying all the gas generators and buying all the soup cans because the end of the world had come. Well, we, we kind of made it past that end of the world, didn't we? I was so mad when I came back. My wife invented the phrase, the spirit of slap. I don't know, we lost several families after that sermon. Because we'd lost our priorities. We'd panicked. We had stopped believing to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen? I'm going to leave you with that. I have a firmness in my spirit that there are things God wants to reveal to you individually. As, as we move forward, I don't sense in my spirit this thing is anywhere near over. There are consequences that we're going to feel for a long time in education, in universities that aren't going to open up, schools that aren't going to open up, businesses that are, that are already bankrupt, travel industry that's nearly destroyed. And I'm not trying to be negative. It's just, this is just surveying the wreckage. But believers can rise up and be light in a dark place. Salt, right? Salt and light. Amen. When you put the salt on the meat, the salt doesn't taste meaty. Right? We're salt and light. No matter what is thrown at us. But you've got to have a greater vision of your personal life, the hope of your calling, and of Jesus. Let's stand up. and You want me to close or you want to close, brother? You want to close? Turn it over to Pastor. time to be slacking off but it's the time to bear down get a firmer grasp than ever before on the word hallelujah down in our lower level in the uh, 
fellowship hall, you're going to find a table that is covered in these cards, and there's probably about 40 of them there. And what I would like for you to do, it would mean a whole lot to me if you would do this, as well as to our police officers here in Landisville, is would you sign each one of those cards? Let's cover those cards and signatures, and we're going to put a gift inside of it and uh, bless each one of our officers at the uh, local police department. And so uh, don't, don't make my signature be the only one in there, all right? So you'll find a whole bunch of pens and, and cards on the table down in the lower level. The other thing I want to remind you is that the service coming in after us, um, they do appreciate when we clear the room out as quickly as possible. And so everyone is invited down to the lower level where we'll have uh, finger foods and um, likely you're, you're likely to hear music in here too loud to have a conversation anyway. So if you're wondering why is the music so loud, it's to get you to go downstairs. All right, bless you. One way we love God is by loving one another. Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Word International here at Landisville. So glad that you're all here today. What a blessing. I'd like to encourage you in your worship this morning from Psalms 34. Now, this psalm was penned by David when he was running from King Saul. He ran into the Philistines. Can you believe it? And he was put in jail by the king. And there he sat in jail at the Philistines and pinned this particular psalm when he was in a heap of trouble. So if you have any problems in your life, this is a great psalm to just stay in. I will bless the Lord at all times. See, I will. You use your will. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Don't you love that word, all? <laughs> the angel of the Lord encamps around and about all that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Blessed is a man that trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, all ye saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. Hallelujah. What a great pen prayer that David sang in the prison, not knowing really what his fate was. He blessed the Lord. He sought the Lord. He magnified the Lord. Well, let's stand together as a family of God and let's thank the Lord so much from our heart of all that he is, all that he's done and all that he is yet to do. Amen. shepherd. There is nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me along right paths for his namesake. 
even when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, come on, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, but through me. He is the gate. He is the door. He is the way, the only way. He is the only true God. Father, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you so much that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. We thank you for that, Lord. We give you praise and glory. Hallelujah, Jesus, you are Lord. Hallelujah. Well, one way we love God is by loving one another. So turn to your neighbor, tell him thanks for coming, and the children may be dismissed. I'm going to dwell. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Always a privilege to be able to meet together. Amen. Well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Before we do that, we would like to welcome all our visitors this morning. So if you're here for the very first time, raise your hand so we can welcome oh. <laughs> welcome Pastor Dale back. Apostle Dale, good to have you back with us. Finally, from all the way from Ukraine. Any guests with us here? I, I forgot to look. Anybody here for the very first time? Okay. <laughs> welcome to CWI. Let's give them a hand. And uh, we have some visitor's card. So our ushers will give one to you, and if you'd like to fill it out, you can. And um, any prayer requests that we can agree with you in prayer, we'll be happy to do that. You can just pass it into the basket when it goes by. All right, well, let's prepare to um, return the tithe of the Lord. Does anybody need a cash envelope for your giving? Raise your hand real high if you're giving by credit card. Do fill out all the blanks. And I just want to encourage you this morning that God 
is our source. You know, God is self-sufficient. He doesn't need anyone to meet his needs, all right? He is the great I am. He is the self-existent one. We, on the other hand, are not self-sufficient. On our own, we'd be toast. So we absolutely need somebody bigger than ourselves. And our sufficiency is found in him. In him, we live and move and find our being. He's our source. And every need, any need or problem we could come up against in life, he's got the solution. So when we tithe, we demonstrate we believe this. It's a, an outward action of an inward belief, saying that we believe God's our source. We're saying, God, I trust you. I make you my provider. I trust you. I looking to, I'm looking to you. And I wanted to read to you out of Genesis chapter 28. Jacob gives us an example of this in um, chapter 28, Genesis, verses 20 to 22. So he just had this dream of the angels descending and ascending this ladder into heaven. And that place was called Bethel. And all of that had happened. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. I want you to stop here for a second. Provision and protection. Do you hear that? Provision and protection. Then the Lord will be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And all of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. So what he's saying here is saying, God, he's declaring, God, you're my source. I'm trusting you. I'm recognizing you as my provider. And then on this declaration, he says, I'm going to tithe. As an outward action of this inward belief, I'm tithing. Now, I've always wondered, you know, here's a place where it says it, and I know Malachi does too. It says, I'm going to give a full tenth. Well, what, could you give a three-quarter tenth? I mean, tenth is ten. I mean, tenth. You know, like, how do you give not a full tenth, but... Anyway, so all of our resources come from him. He says that here, of all that you give me. So everything we have comes from him, and we completely trust him to provide. Amen? Amen. All right, well, let's take a hold of our tithe, and let's present it to the Lord. God, we are so grateful for you, and we so need you. And we just recognize our need of you. We recognize that... On our own, we can do nothing, but with you, we can do anything, we can overcome anything, that we're just so thankful that you've given us your promises, that you meet our needs, that you've promised to be a good provider, and we just thank you for it. We present the tithe to you with joy in the name of Jesus, and amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets. All right, well, could... We would like to congratulate some graduates that we have with us. So Kathy Ginder and Patrick Zimmerman, can you please come forward? Woohoo! on your accomplishments. This is for you and for you. Kathy graduated from Liberty University, correct? And Ephraim Mennonite. So congratulations. 
Those are real accomplishments, and they take a while, don't they? It's a good job.